Welcome to Relation Fix, the podcast dedicated to creating healthy, happy, and passionate connections with our loved ones. I'm Shana Dubay, your host. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Relation Fix. I wanted to take a couple of minutes just to explain and apologize about the very long hiatus I have taken. I apologize for sort of leaving you in the lurch without an explanation. I took a very long break because I had some very difficult losses that happened towards the end of the year. My grandfather uh, was diagnosed with cancer and went into the nursing home and died shortly after. So that was quite difficult. We had a lot to take care of. Going back and forth from the nursing home was really tough. We also had a very devastating accident that happened and our puppy passed away, which was really devastating as well. So processing these losses and trying to kind of take care of myself and my family took up a lot of time. And I'm really dedicated to giving you guys good content. And I knew I was not at my best. I can't preach self-care if I don't do it myself. So I really wanted to let you guys in a little bit as to what was happening and also apologize for the long break. I am very glad to be back. I really, really appreciate all of the people who gave me feedback about wanting me to come back and missing the podcast. My goal here is to really create things that help people. That is my mission in life. I know that it is. And so all of the positive feedback I have received so far for the podcast makes me feel like we're at least kind of hitting that goal to a certain extent. So I'm really grateful to be back. I want to share a couple of announcements. The first is that the podcast is actually going to be going bi-weekly. So it will be every other week instead of every week. I have found that especially doing a lot of the work by myself, that It really takes time to produce some good content, to make sure I have really good guests, to make sure that the quality is up to snuff, and I'm just doing a really good job for you guys. So bi-weekly allows me a little bit more leeway and really focuses on content creation and making sure we have the best product possible. In between these episodes, sometimes I might have some like little bonus episodes. So there could be some fun little activities or little extra bits. So make sure you look out for that. Please subscribe, comment, and share the podcast. If you subscribe, you'll get little notifications. So that will definitely help out by making sure you get this content as soon as it comes out. Today's episode is actually part one of a very in-depth and wide-ranging conversation with the one and only Frank Deluzio. I knew I had to come back strong, and so I wanted him to be here with me, and it's very important. This episode is about handling conflict and the challenges in our relationships. Originally, it was really only meant to be a single episode, but because the conversation was so full and so intense, and we clearly had a lot to say because we've all fought a lot, right? (laughs) 
I decided it would really be best to give it to you in two parts. So please enjoy part one of How to Fight Right. Without further ado, we are back. And of course, I had to come back strong. So who else would be here but Frank, the love master himself? Pulling out the biceps here. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you so much for having me back for this. Absolutely. And I know we talked about off camera too, but I would say it here as well that I'm sorry for the losses that you have to that you've been they've had to go through and that it's definitely it's not easy to go through all that thank you I really appreciate that it is hard I just trying to process everything and this year was the third year since my mom's been gone but for whatever reason wow time goes by fast I know this year like really hit me super hard I'm not sure why this year was harder maybe because my grandfather died and that was her father so And around the holidays, it's just, it's never easy. My grandmother was already 10 years ago that she passed. And my grandfather was last month, or no, the month October. It's amazing how it feels like it just happened. The time goes by. I mean, everybody says that, right? The time goes by so fast. Like everybody says that. But it really does feel that way just because I still. You know, I'm like, how's my mom not like up at her house right now? Like, it's so weird. So today we are talking about conflict, how to fight right. Conflict is definitely something that we all face in relationships. If you have been in a relationship of any kind, really, conflict happens in all intimate relationships, whether it's with your partner or with your friends. If you've been in relationship long enough, you're going to have a problem. No matter how much you try to avoid it, it's (laughs) it's going to come up. Yeah, it happens. So we're going to talk about some of the common mistakes that come in the space of conflict and actually how to handle it a little bit better. So this is going to be good. I know I make a lot of these mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all though? Totally. Yeah. Like, yeah, life is about learning and growth and it happens. We've learned, I feel like we've learned so much too over the years. And I I like seeing, at least what I see online and stuff, I like seeing younger generations. They're almost learning some of these lessons faster than we have. Like they have more at their fingertips so they can absorb that maybe at a younger age. Maybe one of the benefits of having some online space. Yeah. There's a lot of negatives, but there's a lot, there can be some positives from that space too. I really miss my horse and buggy though. Oh, I do love, (laughs) I, can I brush your horse? (laughs) They're going to ask if you can brush my hair, (laughs) whatever's left. Yeah. I mean, maybe. That could be like a little bonding thing. (laughs) Nay. (laughs) Oh my gosh. See, apparently we've restarted off on a silly note, which is okay. Hopefully you're chuckling along with us. So the first one that I want to talk about is defensiveness. (laughs) I think that this is like super common. (laughs) Oh. What are you trying to say? I don't know what you're talking about. So... (laughs) Oftentimes, like if someone comes to us with a problem or something they feel like we could have done differently, it can cause us sometimes to become defensive. So we just feel like we need to justify our actions or defend ourselves against something. I know that that happens to me a lot when there, you know, someone comes to me and says, hey, you did this thing. And, you know, it made me really mad or I feel really upset or you should have done it differently. I feel like I need to like defend myself and justify my actions, especially if I feel like the other person got it wrong. It it sounds like a mix of 
certain things we just really hold true to ourselves, but then it's also the delivery and the tone the other oh, person comes yeah. in with too. Very so it's like so. this, it's like two conflicting yeah, forces. Yeah. I, it makes me think a little bit about Brene Brown saying there's a difference between someone shaming you and feeling shame when someone calls you out on something. Yes. And so I think sometimes that happens when we become defensive is like, we feel like the other person is either shaming us or we feel ashamed about something we did, especially if we really actually were in the wrong. And I know I've had times where I was actually in the wrong, but I was like so mad about or felt so ashamed that I would like fight to the death about this, you know, whatever this thing is. I wish I had a better example (laughs) of just a random nothing. But I just think like sometimes like we can just get so caught in that that we can't we don't stop just to say actually you know what you're right i i should have done this differently and obviously the other person has a responsibility to come to you in a kind way at least try to be diplomatic like you can be assertive and diplomatic like if somebody comes at you hard and starts yelling at you or something it's really hard not to get defensive i can think of an example that happened in my life without getting into too much detail but There was a time where I said I would, let's say, wash the dishes or something or run the dishwasher, Mm -hmm. but then I forgot. But I told my partner that I was going to do that. Like I took on the responsibility as my own. I was going to do it for us, but I forgot because we're old. (laughs) (laughs) Right, our memories are (laughs) going. Or we're just, yeah, our attention spans (laughs) just aren't what they used to be. So then they call me out on it or they recognize, hey, like you said, you're going to do this. You didn't do it. And then... I would maybe turn around, not maybe, did turn around and say, well, you didn't do this last week or like try to flip it Yes, because you know, like you forgot and you feel bad, but also Mm -hmm. sometimes we're stubborn. I'm Italian and and just growing up too, I just learned like you fight with whatever in your your hand, like instead of just coming together and compromising or taking accountability and owning up to it, it was like I learned that no you just have to fight for your life yeah sometimes i feel like this is a little bit of our culture Mm. like if you think about even just like in a space of politics right no like everybody has this thing where they're saying hey you made this decision and you did this thing and that was wrong and the person's response is well you did this or this other person did this and i'm like but we're not talking about this other person or me. We're talking about you and what happened in this space. Exactly. But we don't live in a culture of accountability because if you make a mistake and you hold yourself accountable for it, a lot of times people get slaughtered. I mean, mm-hmm. some of it is like the idea of maybe some cancel culture or the fact that like if you make mm-hmm. a mistake that people will decimate you in so many ways. Yeah. We have like this idea that if you make a mistake, you must be punished. There's Mm -hmm. a punishment aspect to it. And what do we know about people? You're going to do things for two reasons, to gain pleasure or avoid pain. And punishment is very painful. So we're going to do what we can to avoid it. But we don't have like any mercy a lot of times for things or understanding that we all make mistakes. And so I think when we think about the culture at large, sometimes we forget how much that infiltrates us on an individual level, on just a relationship level, how much the culture that we have in this country becomes us, how impressionable it is. Well, I feel like one of the worst things too 
at least in a relationship aspect that you can do is where they do call you out on that thing mm. to take accountability. And not only do you bring up something from the past, but something that you guys agreed was settled on. And now yeah. you're rehashing, you're bringing yeah. it up when it was something that you guys had agreed was something that shouldn't be brought up anymore or something you guys solved supposedly, mm -hmm. but now you're almost using it as ammunition to avoid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the basic problem with defensiveness is that it makes the other person feel unseen and unheard. So, mm -hmm. you know, in that example, if your partner comes to you and says, hey, you agreed to do this thing and you didn't do it and you get defensive by saying, well, you didn't do this other thing that you said you were going to do, then that person is like, okay, you know, you're right. I didn't do that, but that, but you didn't do this thing. Yeah. So now we're both bad or it makes them feel like their feelings aren't right, that they don't have a right to how they feel about it. Like the other person is trying to talk you out of it, that you shouldn't feel this way because you did the same thing to me. And I think that that makes it really difficult to communicate because then neither one of you gets heard and it just creates all of this tension. And I think as a basis of human beings, we want to be seen and heard. We want to feel significant. We want to be important. We want to feel loved and connected. It's such a base part of who we are that if we do things that cause the other person to feel disconnected from us in that way, or totally invalidated in their feelings, that creates a lot of underlying tension. And, you know, tension is not good for relationships. Exactly. Generally. Yeah. That's why I try to tell whether it's my partner or friend or whoever you're having this conversation with, I try to remind myself to tell them, I hear you. I understand where you're coming mm. from. That's not, I mean, it's not always easy, right? No. <laughs> It sounds easy on paper, but it's definitely not, when you're in the yeah. moment, it's not. Well, especially if you're hurt. Yeah. You know, if you're hurt by something that someone else is saying or you feel shame around it, it can be hard to stop and say, you're absolutely right. You know, I take responsibility for this. This is my fault. Or even to just say, thank you for telling me. Like, sometimes I have to just shut up because nothing nice is going to come out of my mouth. Well, there's. There's so, like, yeah. there's a sense of pride too in our yeah. ego and mm -hmm. just, I don't know, sometimes it just feels like in society, it's almost like if we don't defend ourselves, we're seen as weak, which isn't true. Oh. It's just we're... I didn't think of that. Yeah, I, I'm, I definitely think that's true. There is this idea of weakness and it's so interesting because I think a lot of that comes from like the idea of like survival of the fittest. Yeah. Like there's this thing. And it's so interesting because as like a weird side note, apparently this is the like tangential <laughs> conversation that we're going to have in this, this episode. But it's like if you look at Darwin's work, which is mm -hmm. where the idea of survival of the fittest came from, which actually was survival of the strongest. He only says that twice in Origin of Species. He says the word love like 98 times. Really? So I find it interesting that what we chose to remember was this thing he talked about like twice. Mm. But love, he mentions 98 times and that we don't talk about and most people don't know. Which is really telling, I think, a little bit. <laughs> I wonder if that's just part of... I don't know if that's just us as individuals. We tend to remember negative stuff better than mm. the positive. I <laughs> or think the so. stuff that seems like more dramatic. 
I also think we have this space of competition yes, in, this definitely. Com- in this country. Like oh, yeah. whoever's the strongest, you got to battle your way out. Oh, it's yeah. a very masculine way to be to this idea of fighting. Toxic masculinity <laughs> in my opinion. Well, but. I mean, not to get into the patriarchy, <laughs> but I mean, it is a little bit like that. So instead, you know, like you said, listening, taking responsibility and recognizing that the person is talking about how they feel, hopefully. Hopefully the person is talking about how they feel. And the person who's relaying how they feel, just because you say, I feel, doesn't mean you're actually talking about your feelings. <laughs> like, it's important to say, because sometimes Melissa will do this with me, where she'll be like, I feel like in that moment, you were blah, 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 looking for significance, or you were, you know, not doing this as a way to get back at me, or you were being critical. And I'm like, okay, but like, it would be better for you to tell me your feelings, (laughs) not what you think I was doing then, because that makes me defensive. Because then what happens Mm -hmm. is like, I feel like I have to defend myself. And I'm like, so you think that I'm so mean, or that I'm an ogre. So now I'm defensive in response. And so it does, ha- it does happen I, kind of both ways. I could kind of see doing a mix of both, maybe mm-hmm. wording it a little different or yeah. like saying from my point of view, what I'm witnessing, yes. this is that. Yeah. I really think like a very common phrase type of thing that can help is to say, when you do this, it makes me feel this way. Yeah. So if, if she's like, when you use that tone with me, it makes me feel hurt or it makes me feel sad. And so you're focusing on the behavior rather than the intention by saying like, I feel like you're critical of me or I feel like you're being mean or whatever. I feel like that's questioning my intention behind it, which makes me then in turn defensive. Now, obviously it's my responsibility to manage my own defensiveness and to say, maybe I was, maybe my tone was bad. You know, maybe I didn't come across the best way. I apologize. That was not my intention to hurt you. And I think in most relationships, it's usually not intentional to hurt the partner unless you're with someone really malicious and vindictive that's trying to like purposely Mm -hmm. do that. But otherwise, yeah, I don't think we mean to hurt each other. At the end of the day, we all want healthy, happy love. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we forget that we're here. Hopefully we're here in a relationship to be loved and to give love. And so if we're here for a higher purpose, which is to be loved and to give love, then we have to remember that we love this person. And sometimes they come at us in a negative space, but that's not who they are. Hopefully you don't decide to be with somebody who's like really toxic, although that does happen. Hopefully if you've decided to be in a relationship with somebody, then you're doing it. You know that the soul of that person, the heart of that person is one of love and kindness and joy and honesty. Like hopefully that's the person that you want to be with. And so if they're reacting in that way to give them the benefit of the doubt by saying they're freaking out or they're in a bad space or they just don't understand or something is happening. So then you get to say like, I know you're, I know you would never hurt me intentionally, but when you speak like that, it hurts me. It triggers me. It makes me feel defensive and angry. So, and believe me, we know this stuff. We sit and we talk about it. We research it. We do all these things. We're here on a podcast doing an episode about it. Yeah. But it's still hard. 
Oh, I yeah. still struggle with that on a day-to-day basis. I'm trying to get through things. Yeah, I mean, at least in my... So I currently am in a relationship. Yay! I'm going to knock because that would suck if I wasn't when this aired. <laughs> We're gonna you say, will be. Yeah. You will be. I think so. Be- and I think that's just because... I've made so many mistakes mm-hmm. <laughs> in so many past relationships or connections oh, that, that you just finally are like, okay, either I have to get my head out of my ass or I'm going to be single the rest of my life if I can't learn from these mistakes or these patterns that I keep doing mm-hmm. over and over again. Oh, 100%. I think the other really important piece of this is, is learning how to apologize appropriately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes, like, I didn't mean to get sassy there, but mm. let me tell you the thing that the apology I hate the most is this. Oh, I'm is sorry it? you feel that yes, way. Yes, I I was going to you mention know what? that. Don't make me punch you. Like, I hate that so much. Why are you apologizing for my feelings? Like, you can't. That that's like saying I'm sorry you feel a certain way. Why are you sorry that I feel that way? Why aren't you sorry for the thing that you did? Or your piece of it. Like, you don't have to be sorry for... You should not take accountability for everybody else's crap. Like, I'm not suggesting that at all. Because sometimes people over-apologize. But you get to say, I'm really sorry that I hurt you. That was not my intention. That's an apology. And I also think in an apology, there has to be some implication or something that says I'm going to attempt not to do this ever again. Mm -hmm. That's a real apology is like, I'm so sorry that I hurt you. That was never my intention. I'm going to do my best to make sure that I never do that again. And here's the thing. You could say that about literally anything unless, I mean, I guess unless you were actually trying to hurt the other person, which does happen, right? I mean, sometimes if you feel hurt, you try to hurt other people. Well, so. that, no, it's definitely one of my least favorite things being told. Ugh. And I was going to ask, <laughs> because the way I take it or that I interpret it is mm. that it's, yeah, someone not taking accountability. But I was going to ask yeah. you, why do you think people, that seems to be like a go-to for some people. I feel like it's sort of like a weird pseudo-apology. Mm. I think it's a thing to like reduce some tension or sometimes I feel like that's a way to barb the other person almost a little bit depends Mm -hmm. on how you say it a little bit, but like sometimes we'll be like, I'm sorry you feel that way. And you know that they're not sorry. (laughs) Like they're clearly not sorry. Is it more like a, I understand, or not even on, I understand. How do I word it? Or I wonder if it's like a, I acknowledge you feel that way, but I don't agree. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's perfect. That's exactly what I think it is. Most of the time Mm. is like, I don't think you should be mad. I don't think that I don't agree with you on this stance at all, but sorry, you feel that way. You know, I wish you didn't feel that way. And I don't agree with you, but like, it's a bit dismissive no? I think so. Yeah. It's it's definitely happened to me. And that's why with the whole, like learning how to apologize correctly, there doesn't necessarily need to be this pressure of like, Oh my God, what if I apologize wrong? No, you have to get it that there's only one way and it has to be a specific way. It's just learning how to tailor your apology to your partner's needs, whether it's the tone, Hmm. some people like grand gestures, or some people just simply need words. And for me personally, I'm someone that I like when someone has eye contact with me. And like, we're just kind of like, 
it feels like an intimate space between us. And then they just, yeah, and that it comes off genuine. Mm -hmm. And with the whole tailoring too, there was someone that I was involved with in the past that they, this is something I had to learn because everyone's different. They didn't like when you would say, I apologize. They felt it was less genuine than I'm sorry. And that was something I'm not used to because I'm like, oh, I take both words to mean the same thing. Mm -hmm. Or if I say I apologize, I don't know, like to me, it's maybe a little bit more formal, but to that person, it didn't tailor to their needs. They thought it was more, it was less genuine or maybe insensitive, even though I didn't view it that way. It was just like, oh, okay, so that's something I had to tailor for that individual, but that's not maybe how my current partner would feel about that. That's interesting. Yeah, I definitely think that if we know something bothers the other person, then, you know, tailoring things to them a little bit will be certainly helpful. For me, the big thing around apologies is don't keep apologizing for the same thing over and over again. Mm. It's like a not a get out of jail free card necessarily, but it's almost like I'm going to continue to hurt you in the same way again and again and again, but I'm just going to apologize afterwards and therefore it wipes the slate clean. If you're going to apologize... That's why I think there needs to be some plan or idea or awareness about not doing the thing again. Because if you continue to apologize again and again for the same thing, it's like, why apologize? I don't believe you. Like, you might be sorry. Well, unfortunately, that's what some abusers do. Oh, 100%. You know, they do something physically harming. They apologize. So then they think it's like a clean slate and then they do it again. And it's a cycle. Yeah. Because I think... An apology is something that's really important in order to repair a relationship, especially if you've done something that really hurt the other person, but it's not a slate cleaner all the time. No, No, it should be some weight behind it. Yeah, there has to be some shift in behavior that's attached to it. And if there isn't, then it's like, what's the point of even apologizing? Mm -hmm. I, I have that conversation with Melissa sometimes where like, you know, we get in these patterns Sometimes we get into these really negative patterns and, you know, she'll apologize for doing something that she's done in the past. And I'm like, thank you for apologizing, but it doesn't mean anything if you're just going to continue to do it because then why apologize? But I also find that if she doesn't apologize, (laughs) it makes me feel worse. So I'd rather her like say something because at least there's an acknowledgement that she did the thing that hurt me. But it really, for me, the thing about apologizing is there has to be a shift in behavior. And I, yeah, and I, I personally learned in therapy that we all have our own patterns and sometimes it takes a lot of work and time to be able to break some of those because we're so used to doing, we're like sometimes on autopilot with some of that stuff, I think. Yeah. The second one is an interesting one. It's personalization. (laughs) Yeah. This was probably one of my more common ones. Mm. This is oftentimes really paired with defensiveness. They can really kind of go hand in hand, but it's basically where you take the other person's words or actions personally, where it really kind of comes into your space thinking this person is like personally attacking you. We talked a little bit about that in defensiveness, Mm -hmm. like around if this other person says something, you feel like they're shaming you or they're criticizing you that we can oftentimes get into a space of personalization where I think the things that you're saying are directly attacking me or coming at me. It's very similar to defensiveness. Well, it feels like personalization happens first and then defensiveness comes after. So I feel like what you're saying to me is 
like an attack on me or who I am. As a side note on that, what's interesting is shame is a reflection of like who you are, whereas guilt is a reflection of your behavior. And so if someone feels shamed or they feel shame, oftentimes they feel like it's something like who they are Mm -hmm. rather than the thing that they did. And we definitely have a shame culture. And oftentimes the things that people bring up are things that we already feel ashamed about ourselves. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, I think Mm -hmm. some of personalization for me, I also would take like nonspecifics or inactions personally. Oh. Like the way I viewed it. So for example, like if someone was saying they were going through stuff, whether you're dating them or whatever, Mm -hmm. sometimes, and they wouldn't tell you why, Sometimes I would assume, like, Mm. I take it personal, like, oh, they're not telling me because it's about me. Yeah. Or non-actions, meaning, like, let's say they just, um, maybe they say, hey, I just, like, need a couple days to myself. Or, like, they're not, like, maybe talking to you as actively or, like, a a shift in behavior. You almost take that personally. Those are things I've done. Yeah. Or I know one thing that, like, commonly happens to me is, like, oh, I must have done something wrong. Yes. What did I do wrong? You're like going over these things over and over again. And it's something, you know, when we talked about um, attachment styles. Yes. And we think about like anxious anxious attachments. You think like if this person is not responsive enough or sometimes they send you a text back and it's like a short answer instead of something longer or there's not like a larger explanation around it or if they take too long to get back to you. Like sometimes those things can be really triggering. You're like, oh, this is it. You know, this is the moment where they've they're abandoning me or I'm being rejected or, you know, something like that is happening. So it can be really triggering this idea of like this other person's words or actions mean something to me because of me personally. And I really think that that's a shame space mm-hmm. because the basis of shame is there is something about me that if other people know that I won't be worthy of love and belonging. And I think that that's a constant fear, especially for people with anxious attachment, is that you're going to see the things about me that I really hate about myself. And once you see those things, you're out. You know, so when we kind of talked about that, like one of the things I talked about was like my level of sensitivity and like emotional self emotional space. And it's so funny because my therapist says to me, do you feel like sometimes you use that as an excuse that you like never know what mood you're going to be in or you're have you're too emotional, too sensitive? And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, like way to call me out. But my therapist she is might very not blunt. be wrong. No, I lo- I like therapists that are like that, that don't yeah. just agree with everything yeah, that we're and feeling. It's, it's good to just get another perspective. Yeah, it's really hard. And it can make it really hard for the person that you're in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I want to use my sensitivity as an excuse, but sometimes it is a reason for me, you know, taking things personally because I'm already in that shame space is so easy for me to move into. Well, sensitivity (laughs) is typically viewed as a negative thing and it really isn't. I don't know where that came from (laughs) years and years ago, but it's not. (laughs) It's, it actually is just, (laughs) it's an empathic tree. It's a positive thing. Like we, like, that's just something, I mean, I guess we could say maybe we're two individuals that are more, maybe more sensitive than the average 100%. person. But I just think that's being in tune with I certain emotions, certain feelings. I've done like a lot of research on like sensitivity and looking at people who have like 
empathic spaces or people who are neurodivergent. Yes. And it's really interesting kind of looking at that. And what I think is there used to be a space for us in life. We would have been the healers. We would have been the shamans. Mm -hmm. We would have been the clerics or the priests or priestesses. Like we would have been the people that communed with sort of the spiritual space that have the ability to see things through different patterns. We're meant to be sensitive. We're the ones that are out there going, what we're doing to the environment is wrong. What we're doing to people of color is wrong. What we're doing in these spaces with people who have mental illness or people who are marginalized or what we're doing to the earth with pollution and fracking and like all of these things and watching these animals die. Like it feels so big and so hard, but we're met. I feel that we're meant to see those things. And if you look at sort of ancient cultures or older cultures or indigenous populations, there was always a space for those people. There were shamans, like we were healers. We were the people that you would come to, to say, what are we not seeing? What do we need to do? We were leaders in that space. And I think in our current global culture, there are not many spaces for us. And so now we're just looked at as negative or like oversensitive or, you know, oh God, so dramatic, like why, you know, kind of thing. But I think that that's what's happened is like slowly the space for us has been squeezed out. That's kind of how I see it now, I think, at this point. No, it's definitely an interesting take. Mm. I think just human behavior is very interesting. Oh, and for sure. And I think it's way more complex than the people researching it thought originally. Absolutely. It makes sense. And I, I mean, we have emotions for a reason. Everyone has emotions. Yeah. Why would we have them? Why would we evolve with emotions and nervous systems the way that we do and our mind? Why would we evolve this way if there wasn't some sort of evolutionary advantage to it? We just wouldn't. And so I think of it as like, there's a reason why I'm this sensitive. There's a reason why you're this sensitive. There's a reason why we have these abilities to see things in a very different way. It must be there for a reason. But I think we have to we have to force a space for ourselves like that now. And there's a lot of people out there that are working really hard to have a space for people like us. And just like we're, we're here, this is what we're doing, right? We're yeah. trying to help people understand relationships better so that we can make a space for people who think differently and feel differently. And I think it's important. And there's, yeah, there's so many different podcasts too, because there's so many different, I think there's so many different voices. Yeah. So it's those individuals trying to get out, hey, this is my take. And there's always different types of people who will agree with different types of shows. And the whole thing with emotions, too, it just raises even more questions. Like, why do some people repress things? Why are some people crying at a pudding commercial? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, personalization is definitely something that I think is very similar to defensiveness in the way that, like, you don't feel seen or heard. But it's also, too, I think a little bit of like this shame culture. There's something wrong with me. There's that's making this other person leave or there's making this other person act in this way that I don't feel like they would typically act. And 
one of the best things I saw around like don't take anything personally was the four agreements. Did you read that book? Don Miguel Ruiz. I did not read the book. I have mm-hmm. heard of it in the past. And then I know we shared some stuff mm-hmm. on it, but um, I have heard of it in general. And yeah, yeah I, I, I just, I, I just like Gottman's work personally. Oh, definitely. But I think that's the third agreement is like, don't take anything personally yes. because the other person is seeing you the way that they see themselves. It's like a projection almost. And it's a really interesting thing to think about. I I will say this to Melissa sometimes because we've talked about this a lot. And I'll say, there is only you. There's not the other person. And it comes from this like statement of, we don't see people as they are. We see people as we are. Because our brain generalizes, distorts, and deletes a lot of things in order for us to consciously take in the things that are around us. And so when that happens... We're seeing things personally when that other person is just trying to get their needs met or is not seeing things clearly because they're having this internalized feeling that's happening. Probably one of the best examples of that I saw actually was on Love is Blind. Do you ever watch that show? (laughs) (laughs) No, I try not to. (laughs) It's so good. I really like it. I mean, the drama stuff like annoys me. But a lot of times they have these like really beautiful couples that come out of this. And I think it was the last season. Not this just this recent one, but the one before that there was this couple Brett and Tiffany, I think. Okay. And she was so upset and having a really, really hard time. And she was like, I don't even know if I want to get married. And I I just am so overwhelmed. And it was an easy place for him to like take it super personally because he was the one that she was marrying and to get defensive. And he just sat with her and said, I see how upset you are. I see how overwhelmed it's going to be okay. Like, and held her. And it was so good. That yeah. show, that show baffles me because <laughs> at least what I know of it. Yeah. Because I feel like it's a lot of words. And you don't get mm. to really see, I, I need to see people's actions. Like, I love the words, but I need yeah. to see how people act in specific situations. Mm-hmm. Especially if there's this whole, like, proposal thing at the end. Like, I don't want to go through a divorce, like, five days later after, like, the cameras are airing. Well, they don't get married until, like, they spend four weeks together. Oh, four weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, before they have to make a decision. What is also interesting too is that you know they don't see each other at the beginning right but then they do like spend time and i always find it fascinating how someone will have a connection and then they see them and it changes Mm -hmm. and you're like hmm (laughs) it does happen yeah it does it has happened but it doesn't always happen and i think no i think it's a craft i think what they're attempting to do is to take out a lot of the like you're not my type, you don't look the right way, you don't, you know what I mean? And to form like an emotional connection first, because emotional connection is incredibly important it's in a relationship. Extremely. It's not everything, clearly. No, Otherwise it's not. it would always work out. <laughs> and those people, and this is just something I had to learn, is that those people, when they do switch up like that mm-hmm. because of a physical thing, those are people that are just, in my opinion, they're going to be single a long time if they're always like having the mm-hmm. physicality as a driving force Mm -hmm. for their decisions when it comes to finding a partner, because you're not, that shit fades like to just be candid. It's like that fades. It's not going to matter. I mean, of course it's important to be attracted to your partner, but at the same time, it's like, what, 
what's the point of the physical attraction if the mental connection is just like constantly fighting, constant toxic behaviors, not being able to deal with conflict in a way that works for both people? Totally. Just like no lack mm-hmm. of understanding, lack of commitment. It just like there's many pretty people in the world. So might as well find, yeah, might as well find someone that I totally get can that. really mentally yeah. stimulate you. That's just how I am. Well, I also think too that a lot of times the shame space comes up as like, what are other people going to think if I'm with this person? And a lot of times I think that impacts people is they're like, they're worried about what other people are going to think, or they have their own judgments around this other person. Now that I can see them. That was one of the best freedoms I developed was not caring anymore. What other people think about things. Cause it's really, it's tough, but it's Mm -hmm. really powerful. And when you start feeling that high, of just like someone says something and you're like, mm-hmm. I don't give an F about what you think on that because I'm living my life the way that I want. And that's what it, even like with my current partner, the relationship we have, the way I view it, it's between the two of us and anything we want to share with other people we can, or we have the choice not to. And we keep a lot between us because at the end of the day, the connection is between us. We're trying to build a relationship that is good for us. And for some people on the outside, they might not agree with some of those things or there are certain mm-hmm. things they're like, well, I wouldn't do that in a relationship or I wouldn't be with that person because I don't find them attractive. Well, I don't give a shit what you feel because yeah. it's the way that I feel about my partner and that's someone I love very deeply. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> Sorry, one of us... A... Like, <laughs> like and rant. Just kidding. <laughs> well, I think, you know, it's interesting because I think about that a lot. And so sometimes we can swing a little bit from sort of people pleasing behaviors where we care about what everyone thinks to like going so far to the other extreme where it's like, I don't care what anybody thinks, but I think we have to live a little bit more in the gray and that there are people we need to do that. So I saw this one technique that Brene Brown does that I think is really amazing. It's called like the post-it list. And so you take like a post-it note or a piece of paper and you write two or three people on there who are like the most important people to you. But in a way that like they have your back, they're really good people, they'll tell you the truth, but in a kind way, they want the best for you, they're in the arena with you, like, you know, they'll go to fight for you, like they're always going to be there for you, they think the best of you. And most people, we only have like two or three of those people. So you take a post-it note, you write two or three people's names, whoever those are, and you put your post-it note on the wall. And if somebody gives you input about your life or wants to tell you something, or wants to say, hey, you're doing this thing, if they're not on that list, (laughs) then you just disregard it. But if they're on that list, then you open yourself to listening what to say, because those are the people that are going to matter. Because those are the people who are not going to just, you know, judge you or treat you poorly. Those are going to be the people who always have your back. Those are the people who matter. It's interesting. I guess the I guess the way that I am about it is I will listen to what people have to say. And the ones that I really care about, I'll definitely listen and take in what they're trying to tell me. But I also try to remind myself that at the end of the day, it's my choice. Oh, definitely. And that like because with the whole, like, for example, we talked about the people pleasing behavior. I used to make decisions based off of how other people felt about my life or about things in my life. I was just going with their decisions. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah something I don't think yeah. people should necessarily do. Absolutely. So instead of personalizing <laughs> as Yeah, we, where are we? <laughs> where are we again? <laughs> this episode should be called Come on a Tangent with Frank and Shayna. I think it's important to recognize that this 
when somebody is coming to you with something, it's an internal process for them, that there's an internalized feeling that happens for this person. It's not personal. It's not because you're a bad person or you're horrible in some way or you're inadequate in some way. It's because they're having a feeling. They're having a reaction or an emotion. And it's not, it's not you. It's not who you are. You may have done something. You may have an action or words or said something or done something that hurt them, which you can take accountability for. But who you are as a person it's not personal to who you are. Yeah. It can be really hard, but if you just try to listen and see that they're hurting or that they're upset, remember how much you love them and that you want to be in that space and say to yourself, like, let me just listen to how they feel and then respond because you get to respond back because sometimes they hurt us too. And that yeah. gives us an opportunity to say, okay, I see that I hurt you. But when you say it to me like this, it hurts me back. Mm. And so we don't want to communicate in that way. So it gives you an opportunity to really hear them out and put yourself in a place of compassion and contribution. Like, how can I be there for this person that I love who I know is hurting? And sometimes when we're hurting, it's really hard for, to put ourselves in that position. I know I get in that place a lot where it's, it's hard for me to be like, okay, Melissa's hurting. And that's, I need to like, just listen to that when inside I feel so defensive and I feel like she's attacking me as a person instead of me saying like, let me breathe through this and just try to listen to what she has to say and ask myself if she has a point, you know, did I do something like that, that I need to be accountable for? It can be really hard, but it's important to question you know, the behavior, you can look at someone's behavior, they can call us on our behavior. It's try not to go for the intention. That's what I attempt to do a lot. <laughs> Sometimes more successfully than others. Well, some of, yeah, some of my worst arguments were definitely because I just ran with the emotion I was feeling slash yes. the defenses, the defensism, um, defensiveness. I can't talk. And the, and the personal is the, oh my God. <laughs> the defensiveness and the personalization. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. And like I said, this is stuff we work on every day. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us for part one of how to fight right. The second half of this conversation will cover things like assumptions, expectations, and stonewalling. So you really will not want to miss it. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You'll get a notification when the next half comes out, as well as all of our other amazing episodes that we talk a lot about in this one. I can't wait to join you in the next two weeks from now. So thank you so much for listening. Be well. If you want to share your experience, write a comment or contact us on Instagram at relationfixpod or email us at relationfixpodcast at gmail.com and tell us about it. All this information will be available in the show notes as well. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and share it with your loved ones. 